You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Field Day reporting segment. I'm back here with my dad. Hey, dad. Hey, Katie. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. By the way, when, when a stranger asks you that, do you ever really tell them how you're feeling? Well, I was telling a friend of mine of the day, it used to be when, when I was younger, or, you know, you'd meet somebody and say, how you doing? That's always the way you open. No, I'm doing fine. And you'd move on. Nowadays, when I meet someone that's in my age bracket, you know, we say, how you doing? Then there's about a 30-minute conversation on their latest, you know, trip to the doctor or an x-ray or that kind of thing. So when today, when you ask a person, I guess, over their mid-60s, how they're doing, they're going to tell you. And might, you might get a medical history that lasts for 30 or 40 minutes. <laughs> okay, real quick. So we're located in Charlotte. And before we get into the Panthers, was wondering, do you feel like people in Charlotte are nice? They have manners? What do you think? Yeah, for the most part, yeah, I think so. I think people are uh, pretty well behaved in Charlotte as a group, yeah. Do you feel like it's like the same manners that – you grew up with in South Carolina? No. Well, see, I grew up in a smaller town. I mean, Anderson was only like 30,000 people. So it was, you know, you, everybody knew everybody and everybody's brother and sister and stuff. And so um, I guess people uh, were better behaved because no matter where they were, there was somebody that, that knew them or their father or their mother that if they did misbehave, uh, they would know right quick. So uh, I think so. I think people are better behaved when they're around people that they that they know. And if mm-hmm. they're in some kind of situation where nobody knows them, you know, they might But not. now we all have a camera on our phone, right? Well, that's true. Now, that's the other thing is that if you do something now, the chances are either from some kind of, you know, uh, uh, bank or traffic or whatever, uh, uh, camera caught it or, like you say, you know, there's 25 individuals in the area that's got their camera going. So, yeah, this day and time when you when you do something, there's a there's a pretty good chance that somebody somewhere caught what you did on tape. Yeah. Three sports segments I want to get into, but since we just dropped Charlotte, the Panthers, we just won this past Sunday. We beat the Saints for the first time, so we're one and two. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, well, I, I don't know. The, the The first two games, you know, they had they had both a chance to to win the the uh, uh, the get the, the first two games. They had, they had both had a chance to win both of those. Uh, the game against the Browns and the game against the Giants, you know, they were in, in both of those, and and you know, had an opportunity uh, to uh, to win both of them. So they were close, and you know, they just didn't quite bring it home. Uh, had some opportunities early, they didn't take advantage of, and so uh, yeah, it's uh, so they're they're you know, I think uh, and I think the thing this time that people talked about that almost none of the teams really did any significant. Uh, you know, exhibition tra- game kind of training. They always talk about like Brady and, you know, some of the superstars that don't need it. Uh, but that timing and stuff is off because the, the they hadn't worked as a unit. And so I think it, uh, somebody said that September is like the exhibition season this year because, you know, the the exhibition games are not, not being used like they were in the past to, to get, you know, your team ready, 
you know, they used to play the, you know, the first quarter, the first half of the first game, and then the, it used to be the fourth game they would, you know, they they might play the the first half again, you know. But it was a thing to get your your regulars ready, but also look at your uh, people you had signed, uh, people who were uh, you'd gotten trades and stuff like that to see if there was somebody in that group that might make it. But evidently this time, uh, the 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 people that were going to play the majority of time didn't really have an exhibition that they're getting into it, and so you, you, play is somewhat rough, you know, compared to past years. It's uh, you know like a uh, well, for instance, Brady. You know that uh, uh, on a two-point conversion, knowing they were going to do it from, from you know once they got the ball, that that if they scored a touchdown, they were going to go for two. But for some reason, they got a delay of game, and and I think I was another team I watched got a bunch of delay of games and stuff. And teams just what is delay of games? What do you mean? Other words, from the time the ball is marked, you know, you got forty seconds to get it in play, mm-hmm. and so. If you don't get it in play in, in that time period, then you, you're it's a delay of game and you're penalized five yards. And so you're saying that's happening a lot? Yeah, it is. You know, the teams look a little disorganized. And I think, again, it gets back to that, that uh, um, what people say, and I, di- I didn't really watch any of the exhibitions to see how they were used, but the, the, the majority of thinking is that uh, uh, they really weren't used to, to get the team, the, the people that were more than likely going to play, ready and working as a unit. And so – you know they're just now getting their timing down. You because know, really, and uh, and these especially in these offenses, you know the uh, the timings is so important. You know the quarterback's going to release the ball way before the 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 receiver makes a cut. You know and he's going to be at a spot, and that's all timing and stuff. And you don't you don't get you don't get that without practicing it. So I think yeah, some of that is. Uh, what's your What's your thoughts on Baker? Um, I think it, you know. Again, like I say, he's he's new to the system. You know, new to all the players. Uh, I'm not sure to what degree. I, I guess the Panthers did it more, trying to because they had two quarterbacks trying to decide between. But but again, you know, in, a, in getting in really game situations, uh, um, again, uh, you know, getting another personnel and getting your timing down and getting into some kind of rhythm. They always talk about teams getting rhythm, and you and you'll see it sometimes. You'll see uh, a team will have the ball you know, five or six times, and they run three plays and punt. And then all of a sudden, they hook up on passes and runs, and, and they go 90 yards and, and six plays, you know, and you're like, well, God. And so you kind of get into a rhythm of a flow of the game, and uh, I think a lot of times people, the team's not getting into that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think they'll, you know, uh, that they'll they'll do better. And I think we have a, I think we have a chance. I know we, we've got two losses, but – but I think they said what that ninety what did they say ninety eight percent of the NFL teams are either one and two or two and one, and there's only two undefeated teams. You know, so what do you think that's about? Uh, I think it's about uh, the 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 leveling. You know that uh, uh, I, I just slipped my mind uh, uh, the way the NFL does with drafts and stuff like that. That that there's parity across, uh, so that. Uh, there's not a lot of difference between the, 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 the best teams and the worst teams, you know. And it could be a, a, a player here or there or somebody developing that they weren't expecting it. So there's a lot of, of uh, parity between the teams so that uh, everybody's on a fairly, even, you know, same playing field. And so uh, 
Um, you think you yeah. think that all, because this generation, all their brain is scrambled with their phone? <laughs> no, no. I think it's the way that the NFL is like set up. Like you know, the the worst team gets to pick first. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Type but of I mean, thing. that's always been the case, no? Yeah, but you know, I think that uh, uh, they're, but you know, the for instance, the you know the uh, the, the Colts who looked terrible in their first two games beat the Chiefs. You know, so you never can tell. You know the. Uh, the Jaguars are really coming on, you know. They uh, they beat the Colts like thirty something to nothing, and then this past weekend beat the Chargers. So, uh, and they were the past two years. The Jaguars, I think they had the, I know the year that they drafted uh, uh, Trevor from Clemson that they were the worst team, and I think they might have been the worst team this year for record wise. And here they are, you know, in in two in in a year and not quite a two years. You know they're playing really good football. So, uh, uh, like I say, you know they, they they might be flashing the pans, but I think you know they could have a pretty good season. You know they look, looking good these last two games, beating teams that you would not expect them to beat. So, so real quick, last night you watched the Cowboys and the Giants. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, what happened? Oh, well, it was it was nothing but field goals it was really to me a, a rather again it got back to neither team looked especially on offense the defenses are so far ahead of the offenses and i think it's the timing and stuff like that you know uh it was uh was it six, was it 6 6 at half i think it's something like that you know and then uh it was 6 6 and then the the giants uh Barkley got loose on a really nice run and you know, made it thirteen to to six, and then the 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 Giants uh, tied it up, and 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 you know finally won. I think it was twenty three to sixteen, like that. But the, it took a while for them to get. The second half was a lot better than the first half. I the first half, like, I think it was like six six. Does um, I never hear about Houston. Do they still play? <laughs> yeah, they still play. Yeah, they still play. They, uh, um, I think they're one and two. I think they've won. They, they, I think they won at least one game, I believe. Um, okay, last football question before we go on to baseball. Do you think that football is any different in Texas than it is on the East Coast? Well, I think there's spots. I think that, you know, high, the, the big thing is high school ball. And, and Texas is such a big state and such a really, you know, great state for producing high school players. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you could be uh, the coach at, in, in, at the University of Texas and recruit and get, you know, five and four star players without, you know, within a, I don't know, a hundred miles of, of, of your campus, you know, that it's that, it's, it's, it's that good. You would never, you would never have to go out of state and you probably wouldn't have to, you know, go visit too many counties in Texas to, to recruit a really, uh, com- nationally competitive team. So football is so, so good. there, so big, but also, uh, Florida and Texas, Georgia. Georgia produces some huge, huge stars in, in Georgia. Uh, the times that, you know, if you look at Clemson, when when they've done real well, uh, they've recruited well in Georgia. Uh, I think I think this is right. Maybe I'm a little wrong, but Homer Jordan, who was their quarterback in 81 when they won the national championship, Deshaun Watson, you know, when he won, he's from Georgia, and so is Trevor Lawrence and so again here he is the 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 three times they won that the most important position on the field came from somebody who played high school ball in Georgia so uh I don't t- Texas 
does good and it's good football and probably it produces more players because it's so big, but the quality of players from, from Georgia and, and Florida is really good. And so I, I mean, I'm from South Carolina originally. It's a small state, but uh, the, they have a lot, lot less, but the players that are there that are at that level are really good. So anywhere in the South, you're going to find high school ball is really good. And if you can recruit in the, if you can recruit in the South, you can compete with about anybody. Okay, so we're going to go on to the second story, which is baseball. So I um, was asking Dad about this guy named Aaron Judge. And here in the New York Times, the first part of the article says, over five days, nearly 200,000 fans flowed into Yankee Stadium hoping for one specific outcome. Aaron Judd's 61st home run of the season, which would have tied Roger Maris' 61-year-old American League record. One hitter, one acceptable result. It's a very strange way to watch a baseball game. <laughs> so give us what's well, any insight into all of that. Well, you know it, that I, we've talked about it in baseball before that in no other sports is records. They're just sacrosanct records. I mean, they they record everything in in, in home runs and batting average and wins, all those things are really huge. And so the, probably the, the the for like a touchdown is the big play in, foot, in football, a home run is the big thing in baseball that people come to love to watch, you know. And um, for so long in the American League of especially, uh, I think Ruth – in 1927, Ruth set the, the record of 60 home runs. And at that time, it was just ungotten. It was the rest. See, I think the record, when Ruth started playing, the record was, say, in, in 1917, the record was like 27. And when Ruth first started playing, he was a pitcher and a hitter, kind of like the guy that plays for the Angels, uh, Tashani. Um but in 1919, as a pitcher and a player, he hit 29 home runs, which was the record. And people thought, well, you know, that'll never be broken. Well, the next year, in, in 1920, he hit 54, and the next year he hit 59. And when he hit, 50, when he hit 59 home runs in 1921, he hit more home runs than all the other teams combined. If you took the other teams and just add them up, they would not have hit 59 home runs. And mm-hmm. it was just, you know, so, and that, and, and Ruth's 59 stood until 1927, and he hit 60. He hit 60 home runs in 151 games. And p- people thought, and for a long time, it was a record. And from 1927 till uh, Maris in 1961 hit 61s, 61s, it was a record. So it, you know, that record uh, stood for what? Is that from 1920, 1927 to nineteen sixty one, and people came close. You know, there were some people I think that hit fifty eight, I believe, or fifty seven. You know, but nobody, nobody, Tomarius hit sixty one in sixty in nineteen sixty one, and again they thought that would be the record, and it would it would never you know get get nobody would ever pass it, and then in uh, nineteen. 19, 1928, not, excuse me, 1998, uh, that was the year that Sosa and Mark McGuire, I think Sosa hit 66 and McGuire hit 70. 
and that was just, you know, that was unbelievable. And that was a people were just go, baseball had uh, they had, they had a strike in they had a strike in I think '93. They had a baseball strike and, and didn't play a World Series. Who was striking? Uh, the players. Why? Uh, uh, you know, for for uh, salary, for benefits, and things like that. The players union mm. and baseball couldn't come to a, an agreement, and so they had a strike and didn't have the World Series. And people just left baseball. And baseball was hurting. And really lost in attendance and everything. And then in 19, 1998, when Sosa and McGuire started this home run battle, they were back and forth, back and forth. Well, people started going to, to the Cub games and the Cardinal games just to see if, uh, if these players would hit a home run. And they, like I say, they broke Maris's 61, you know, in no time, you know, because like I say, they wound up with 66 and 70. And it was a battle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, and, and until right at the end of the season when McGuire went ahead. But again, it was a home run. It brought because it was a record, and they were hitting it. People came to watch the game just like they're doing now with with Aaron Judd. Um, Do you think people discount those two guys though because of all the injections? Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a cloud there. You know, a lot of people still think 61's a record, uh, but uh, not only did they do that in 98 but then bonds came along in 2001 i believe mm-hmm. and hit 73 and it was like yeah and so but again uh those three players i guess different thinking about different people and you can find i guess I mean, maybe you split 50 50 about people who think that, that it shouldn't be the record people who think that it, it should okay so what do you think well, you know, it's it's hard to say because a record's a record, or what? Well, I mean, it. Uh, if you look at their careers, they definitely got a bit. They got to play longer than they would normally have played, I believe. Or they became, most people when you after after, unlike Tom Brady, after thirty five, you know, you you're still good, but you you're not producing like you were when you were twenty five. But uh, Bonds especially, you know, I mean, he, he – I don't think he'd ever hit 50. Some question about that it, 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 it gave players unfair advantage. Now, at the same time, you probably had pitchers who were on uh, enhancing drugs that made them throw the ball faster than, uh, than before. So it's not a really clear thing. Baseball did a bad job in, in how they handled the whole series – whole situation. And it was really terrible because – it was in an area that means so much to them, records, records, and so, so yeah. I guess Katie either can say that uh, um, it, uh, it, it's, it, it, yeah. So I'm saying, There's, do you discount the, these two? I don't, I, I don't think you, I don't think you can. I, I, um, it's just like it is uh, what it is, right? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's uh, like I say, there were probably people. Uh, both uh, pitching and batting, so that they they probably hit home runs off pitchers who were throwing a lot better than they would, a lot faster, you know. So it's it's not a clear cut case, but but uh, I think people, for the mo- I guess for the most part, people consider seventy three, you know, the record. Um, so um, yeah, and again, that's that that and with 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 Judd, the reason it's so big in New York is that uh, the record. For the American League, is sixty-one, and the thing about it is, 
both the old record and the existing record for the American League were both by Yankees, Babe Ruth and Roger Marius. And here's Judd now, a Yankee. So it is real big for them, you know. And so mm-hmm. people turn out for that to to see if if uh, someone can 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 break the the record because they will be the American League home run you know, mm-hmm. champion. They won't be Major League Baseballs, but if he hits, you know, if he hits two more, he will he will be in uh, in a a place where only he will be that that uh, he'll be the American League home run champion, career home run champion. Is he younger than Roger? Well, when he did that, well, you know, I don't, it's a good question. I think he probably is younger than Roger Maris when Roger Maris hit sixty one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maris didn't have um, that was the best you know he ever did. I, and I don't think he even came close to sixty one after that. But again, the thing about Maris is uh, the pressure on him. New York City, you know, with all the reporters and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean. The time he started getting close, he was hounded, you know, by reporters, by fans and stuff, and the pressure, and a lot of the pressure was, you know, you better not break it, you know. Why? Well, because Maris wasn't really considered, he wasn't a Yankee like Yogi Baron, Mickey Mantle, and Whitey Ford, mm-hmm. you know, so that was part of it, you know, he wasn't a true Yankee, but so he did, he, he... I think he, he said he started losing his hair, Katie. It wasn't because, you know, he was going bald from any other thing, but the, the, the pressure and the, the stress on him. Well, I can't was, imagine if social media was around back then. It would have been oh God, triple. It, it would have been impossible. It would have been, it, it would have been impossible. And, and I think it took a lot out of him, and he never, after that, had anywhere near the, the career. But I think that, that, that 61 season was, was so much pressure on him that uh, – it took a lot out of him. It really did. And like I say, the you know, the I, I don't I don't think the pressure is as much on on Judd, uh, because of the you know the the seventy three and the seventy that McGuire's hit and Sosa sixty six. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still don't get me wrong. It's it's still a pressure, and he's right there. You know, in the the bedlam of uh, of you know communications and television and writing and sports and papers and stuff. So I'm sure he, he, he gets hounded a lot for interviews and what's happening next. And like you said, people c- would come to the game, and the only reason they was there was, hey, I was in Yankee Stadium when Judd hit 61 mm-hmm. or 62. So you think that's exciting for baseball? Oh, yeah. I think it's re- I think it's good for baseball. I think it's really, again, like the, the Sosa and McGuire battle brought people back that uh, may not have uh, wanted to come back. Is there something that you'd like to share that's in the news well, or not? On the same line, what we were talking about then was uh, a seasonal record, seasonal records for home runs. One that uh, is almost almost as big as seasonal home records is career. It is, you know, it's it's up there. And this year, we had someone to get into that club of the seven hundred club. And before this year, there were only three players that had ever hit 700 more home runs. And so when Albert Poulos, you know, hit his 699 and 700 this last week, it was just it was huge and big. And the interesting thing about Poulos is that unlike, well, both, both Ruth, Ruth had many times of hitting over, hitting home runs, more than 50 home runs in the season. So he had a lot of that. Uh, Bonds had 
I'm not sure. I know Bonds was 73 he had, but I'm not, I'm not sure if he had many other than that one when he hit 50 more home runs. But Aaron and Poulos never hit 50 home runs, but they were steady. 30, 40 home runs every year, every year. You know, they were steady. And so um, when Poulos in- entered that club, like I say, there's – uh, again, there's some question about who's the career leader. Uh, Bonds has has seven. I think he has seven sixty three. I believe, and I think that's right. Uh, seven sixty two, and 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 Aaron has seven fifty five, and Ruth has seven fourteen, and that was a big deal. Uh, uh, Aaron hit. Uh, Hit, hit, broke Ruth's record seven fourteen uh, back in in seventy three, and uh, again that seven fourteen was a that seven fourteen was a you know was uh, the 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 one of the records that is m- this most you know coveted of all records is the you know career home run record and it was by Ruth it was you know uh, a baseball god. Uh, so you can imagine in 1973 when Aaron started to approach 714, the pressure on him was just unbelievable, you know. And uh, I remember watching on TV when he hit his when he hit 715. And who was this? Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. Is that the uh, one where the kids ran around the baseball field? Yeah, yeah, they did. They ran the baseball field, you know. But he was under a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, you can, I won't go into the details, but here it was. And, uh, uh, you know, he got a lot of threats, like like, like Mary Scott. But, I'm, but for different I'm, reasons, he got threats about not wanting, he said, not to break uh, Ruth's record. Uh, so it was, you know. You, because of the color of their skin. Exactly, you know. And, and so, so I think that, that might, isn't that a little, isn't that worse? Well, I'm sure it was. I'm sure, it, I, don't, I don't mean to compare them. Mm-hmm. They're just the same kind of. Uh, arena, I guess, but different different levels. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was you know unbelievable. He did, he did that. Um, so so I think Ruth Ruth said his in seven four. I think it was in nineteen nineteen thirty four, and then from thirty four to seventy three, which is like almost forty years, which is about thirty nine years. It took, and then Aaron Aaron in seventy six seventy three. You know, bro- broke the record with with seven fourteen. The other thing that's and I didn't realize this, but the, like you said, there was a, there was another article in the New York Times, uh, Albert Pujols. They were talking about that that, uh, and I think I can remember this right that when 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 Ruth hit his seven seven hundred fourteen home runs, he hit them off of two hundred eighteen different pitchers. And when Aaron hit his uh, seven fifty five, he hit it off of 310, you start seeing an increase. Now, when Bonds hit his, it was off 449. And then when Pujols hit his, I think it was like 755. So you, you go from they're both all in, they're both all in the seven all in the 700 in the in the number of pitchers that Ruth faced, you know, at, at 216, and that Pujols faced at at uh, 4, 450 455, I think it was. That's a lot of pitchers, and so again, it 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 it's the same record and stuff. But the difference was now is all these these bullpens that teams have. They, they you know they they have a you know 
nobody completes a complete game. The, the starting pitcher, most of the time, if he can go five or six innings, that's great. So now they have middle reliefers and long reliefers and short reliefers and stuff. And so, you know, in a typical game, uh, a, a team, well, both teams could could have, you know, four and five pitchers. So that uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, back in the 20s, you know, in the late innings, Ruth was facing a pitcher that was, you know, getting tired. He had been pitching for seven or eight innings, and the guy wasn't throwing as hard or wasn't as sharp, you know. Where, where, where now, uh, like I say, you, 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 you have four bats, and you might have four different pitchers, you know, and they all throw in different kinds of stuff. So it was kind of interesting that, uh, that uh, uh, the, the number of pitchers that, uh, that with Ruth at 714 to, to uh, Pulis at 700 is is doubled double the number going from 216 to 455 is kind of an interesting thing that you 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 fake you're facing somebody fresh and throwing hard and you know and by the time you know a lot of time batters get up there or something for pitchers too that you kind of figure the hitter out you know about the fourth or fifth end you kind of get you know into a groove you kind of know that pitcher well now you you know you you might you might face the starter twice but after that you know you're gonna you're gonna get new pitchers and so i think it makes it more difficult because uh they're changing bringing fresh people in so uh uh these home runs here that that uh that especially that that bonds and uh and pulos faced that they were facing fresh pitchers late in the late in the game and uh and that was a, a disadvantage to, to say like when uh when babe and and Aaron hit theirs they they wasn't as many relievers and stuff so you you face pitchers that were maybe a little tired in the late innings i mean there's no i don't know what the records i, I mean home runs ruth hit late in the innings as opposed to in the beginning but uh, a lot of people say that that you know makes it more difficult and so that's two. You know, I can say this: it, uh, in 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 one baseball year, you have two very huge uh, record chases. One is chasing the seven hundred, the career home run record, and the other one is, in this case, chasing the American League uh, seasonal record. And and it means a lot because the the seasonal record is, you know, Ruth and Maris at sixty and sixty one. So uh, it's I think it's been good for for baseball. Do you think that Judge will do sixty one in Toronto? I think well, he's you know he's like if you had to guess. What they say today? They say he had he had six games. He hadn't hit one. And he had had twenty nine plate plate appearances. I think they got like ten more games, and uh, you know he gets on these streaks, you know, so that uh, and I don't know he's had some streaks when he had hit one, but I, yeah, I think I think for it's over. I think he'll he'll hit. 62 or 63 home runs. I think he'll. It's definitely definitely within range. I mean, he's got like I say, 10 games to hit two home runs, and he's he's proven that he can easily do that. Uh, the, I guess the only thing might be is again, as we get close to a record, the pressure. I, I'm not sure how. Is so, the game on tonight? As you record today's Tuesday, the 27th, or is it? Yeah, I, I'm sure that those games will be on some. You know, with all the TV mm-hmm. stations, yeah, they'll those games will be televised. Because, like you said, people people want to be be there. I'll say, you know, they watch it on TV when when Judd hit sixty one or sixty two. Or did you see him hit the sixtieth live? I didn't. I did not see him hit the sixty live. Uh, um, 
Yeah, but I did. I, I can't say I did see Aaron. Uh, you know, uh, hit his his life. Who were you with? I was a friend of mine uh, from Anderson. We were, of course, back then. So you know, you, you right. Well, interesting. Hank, Aaron, Aaron Judd, kind of ironic, well, huh? Yeah, that, I didn't thought about that. Yeah. Okay, um, but anyway, so sorry. Who were you with? This friend of mine from Anderson. See, you know, back then you you didn't have like now. There's all kinds of choices of mm-hmm. sports events to to follow. You know, uh, between you know football. So you know, back then, especially in the in the at, that was it during the during the the summer and baseball was probably the only thing going on and on TV. And so yes, it was a. Uh, a must-see kind of event. You didn't have a whole bunch of choices. Well, I'm, I'm going to watch the this college game or this, you know, this pro game. It was just, just, just baseball. And so, and with the with that with that with with Aaron approaching Ruth's record, it was on on television quite a bit. You know, so yeah. So what y'all do? Throw the popcorn up in the air? <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, quite an quite an experience. Did y'all send off fireworks? What y'all do? <laughs> no, we just jumped around and said, "Can you believe that?" And you know, just. And just, I can remember it, you know, sitting in his living room, you know, me and him. Just like those two guys running on the field, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were, you just, it was, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime type event that, uh, uh, you know, you'll never, you'll see maybe like, you know, people may say that when when, uh, Judd hits his or when Bonds and McGuire hit theirs that it was like that, but... uh, the the fact that you you it was Ruth uh you were breaking Ruth's record it was it was some because like I said he was he was like a baseball god he have you have you ever been a fan of the candy bar though <laughs> a baby Ruth <laughs> not really no, yeah it's not, it's not one of my I, and I don't I, I know I don't know the connection if there is one between uh, there has to be we should I should look it up while we record yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that that what but maybe it was probably taking advantage of his popularity they uh, uh, came up with that name I, I'm not sure but uh yeah the the baby Ruth and babe Ruth uh, one of the most yeah. um asked questions when I put Babe Ruth, you know, Baby Ruth chocolate bar in the Google. One of the most asked questions are Babe Ruth and Snickers the same? <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> Which means the same. They're not. Well, the, just like basically, do they taste the same? You no, know what I mean? No, they do not. Here's one more thing that's that we're this happening that uh, uh, it just also came into publicity here this last week or so. Another rare thing in baseball. Is something called the triple crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, a triple a hitting triple crown is when a a player in one season leads leads their league in batting average, home runs, and runs driven in. Uh, Aaron Judd already has secured uh, the uh, home runs and RBIs. I don't think anybody's close on that. Batting average, he's right there. He's, you know, he's. I think he he was leading after this weekend at three sixteen, three fourteen, something like that. But there's some folks there at, you know, right right behind him. But if Judd was to hit sixty two and win the triple crown, I think people would 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 say that that's the greatest in baseball, greatest offensive season a person's ever had because nobody's ever won the triple crown and 
you know, broken a, a, a sacred record, like the American League record for home runs, and hit and hit 62. So uh, uh, that's the other thing people are watching. Can can he do both? And uh, it would be a, a feat, a, unbelievable feat. Um, there's the last time somebody won the Triple Crown. Uh, I think it was 2012. Uh, Carrera, Miguel, that played with Detroit. Um, and that was that was in 2012, I believe, when he when he did that. Before that, the last time somebody did it was like in 1967. Carl Ustremski for the Red Sox won it, and uh, the year before, oddly enough, Frank Robinson. So, uh, so you go from go from 2012 to 67, 66, and the next time somebody won it was. In 1956 was Mickey Mantle. Uh, he won the the uh, tri- triple crown then. But like I say, I think since since the 1920s, when when uh, the live ball, so to speak, came into play, since the 1920s, there's only been ten. Well, there's been ten players to win the triple crown, and two players, only two players, have won it twice. Mm-hmm. The greatest right-hand hitter of all times, Rogers Hornsby. The greatest left-handed hitter of all times, Ted Williams. Uh, uh, Rogers Hornsby won it in '42 and '45, I believe, and Williams Williams won it in no. Uh, Hornsby won it in '22 and '25, and Williams won it in '42 and '47, I believe. But but those are the only two players to win it twice, and oddly enough, they're. I think most people consider Hornsby the greatest right-handed hitter of all time, and Williams is the greatest left-handed hitter, and they, they're the only people to win the Triple Crown twice. And so here's Judd, like I say, on the verge. It's going to be close, but he, if he does hit, hit 62 and, and win the Triple Crown, that would be unbelievable. Uh, just, just, you know, something just miraculous that's, that uh, – if he does that in one season. So that's something else that people are, are looking at too, is is he going to hold on to the batting title um, and hit the home runs? And so he's he's got some added pressure here the last, you know. And they're in a pennant race. I think they got, they, the Yankees need to win three more games where they can, you know, secure a spot in the playoffs. So uh, there's a lot riding on, on, on his shoulders. And uh, uh, it'll be something fun to watch these, these this last – week or so of baseball. Well, you know, anytime someone brings up Ted Williams, you know, unfortunately, what I always think of. I know, but don't think of that. Don't think of that. How is that even legal? I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess, yeah, Katie, I don't, you're, you're way out of anything I would know about that. I don't know how you do that and, and what. What if know. someone's like, what are they talking about? <laughs> oh, well, the, the his family. Ted Williams's family, and, his children. Yeah, had his brain in Arizona. In I thought the, it was his whole body. Was it? I'm not sure. Was, uh, I've got the term for it. But fro- Basically, Austin Powers, like cryogenically frozen. Yeah, until sometime in the future, what, I, I, I don't know what they will do. Uh, um, they did did do that, and I don't know the uh, how you go about doing it and why you would, you would do that. Uh, but they did. Uh, but he was an amazing hitter. And the thing about Williams was he wasn't very fast, you know, running. And so 
all the hits he got, he got because they were clean hits. The other thing that they did to Williams was he was what they call a pull hitter. He was a left-handed hitter, and he would almost everything he hit was to right field, to right center. They they did, and this was the first person I think I maybe they did the, what they call the Williams shift that they're doing now, and they're fixing to uh, outlaw it in baseball. I think there's a chance that what what I'm talking about is that. When a left-handed batter comes up, uh, the shortstop, instead of being on the, the third base side of second base, is now either in, in dead, dead middle of second base or, or to, the, to the right of second base or real close to second base. And the, le- and the second baseman is almost out in, in right field. And they pull that switch, you know, to, so that they know the guy's going to pull the ball. Well, when, when they did that with Williams, Williams was – he had such a sweet swing, he didn't want to change his swing to – to hit the left field, and so he would always still hit the ball to right field, and and, and still hit, um, still hit way over three hundred. Uh, he was the last person uh, the year that DiMaggio hit in fifty six games. Uh, Williams hit over four hundred that year. Last person to hit over four hundred, and four hundred is just unheard of these days. I mean, like we're talking about uh, uh, Judd winning the batting title. He could win the American League batting title hitting less than 320. Where uh, 19, I guess it was 1941. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was 41 when when uh, DiMaggio hit 56 straight games. Uh, Williams hit 403. And uh, so yeah, and he and also in that, in that game he in baseball if he was going into the last because doubleheader going to a doubleheader last game of the season he was hitting 0.399999 and if he could set out the two games and his average would have been 400 and that would have been miraculous and he said no that he wanted to play and he played both ends of the doubleheader and went something like i won't say like Six, six for ten or something, and raised his average from that three nine nine to four oh three. I mean, he was that kind of person. He could have set out, had the record secured of hitting four hundred, but no, he played both ends of the doubleheader and raised his average to four oh three. So he was some kind of hitter, really was. Nice to be in orbit. Now we're here towards the ninth inning. LOL. I was gonna ask, totally switching gears. Okay. Uh oh, man. We talked about football, baseball, and now I want to talk about basketball. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know any basketball records because basketball records are not important to people. <laughs> it's like football. You don't, you don't ever hear who's the leading, who's scored more touchdowns than anybody in the NFL or that kind of stuff. You know? Well, now, well this, this isn't about a record. This is like more tabloidy. Oh, more tabloidy. Oh, no. Uh, I have noticed the Celtic, Boston Celtics coach has made the news the last week or so. Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka. Said that they fired him for the entire 2022-2023. Um, suspended for the entire season for violations of team ethics. The only thing I heard, Katie, was that the, the Celtics hired some kind of law firm to do the investigation, and they said that he violated, I think it was the word they used, was several uh, Boston Celtic Celtic. Team policies. Team policies. Now, what what those were, I don't know. I guess sometimes in these things they have these morality uh, clauses, clauses and stuff. Um, so uh, 
Yeah. I, I mean, do you think that that's valid? Do you think we should even know about it? Uh, to, to, to me, I, I mean, you know. I mean, obviously, there. this is like, this is not like, this is a uh, consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't obviously something where it was criminal. Well, in most organizations, you know, and, and of course, this, it's not as, uh, not as, you know, big, it's public as be- pro basketball and baseball and stuff. You know, you have HR rules that that you know it's a it's a it's a a personnel problem and and those things uh, unless some kind of law has been broken, you know, it's just that you know it's it's personnel and it's you know it's in somebody's record, but it's not open to the public. So um, I'm not sure why they uh, uh, and I guess because it if. When the season started, he he didn't show up on the bench. I guess the Celtics would have to give some kind of explanation, but um, not knowing what their policies are, I, I I can't say what what he did in a personnel matter. And in, in not knowing their personnel policies, um, is is that their only option? In other words, like okay, uh, if a player, and this will be interesting, if one of the superstars. You know, when the stupid superstars on the team did the same thing he did, what well, I don't know how it was, but but the part that we know that uh, uh, it was a consensual relationship, would they suspend that player for the whole whole year? And yeah, it, well, just kind of the saying like, "Don't shit where you eat," right? Katie, yeah. I mean, right? Well, I mean, isn't that what it comes down to? Like, why would you internally have relations with well, I, work know, affiliates? And, and maybe that's what it was. Maybe that the fact if it if it had been for. Uh, something that who was not on the the Celtic staff, maybe that's what. And I didn't think about it in that terms of the level of being suspended, because I'm sure that a lot of organizations have that kinds of rules about employees and in that situation. Now, so, do you think if this was like the '90s, do you think the public would know about it? Well, see, Katie, the, I guess the thing about it is is that when the season opened and he didn't appear on the bench. They've got to say, well, what happened to Coach So and So? And the fact that uh, last year they were the Eastern Conference champions, and you know played the, well, the Warriors, you know for the for the NBA championship, and all of a sudden he's not there. People's going to wonder, well, it wasn't because he didn't perform because you know they won the East, the Eastern Division championship, and uh, so. I, I, I guess they wanted to get it out now rather than when the season starts, which the season's going to start in, in pretty soon, and have that kind of hullabaloo around their season that they thought, well, we're going to have to say something, so let's go ahead and do it now. Being such a public figure as a coach for the Boston Celtics, it's kind of hard for him not to be on the bench opening day without some kind of explanation. So, uh I think they had to do something. I, I don't know. I don't know what, how you would have handled it, um, get, given that situation. Especially if it was very clear whatever policies they had, and they said several. So well, I don't know what that means. Several policies uh, he he had uh, violated. Violated. Yeah. Well, it just sucks because obviously they knew about it a long, much longer time than as it was announced. Probably so. Yeah. And but again, it's lo- it's looking like. Okay, when the season opened, I'm just saying there's no way that they found out two weeks before the season opened. Right, but uh, again, in their situation, well, he's suspended. It's a personnel matter. 
when we open up, we're going to get bombarded with where's the coach at? No good solution, but it was the only one that it was the least disruptive they had, you know, that it wasn't good, but it was the only one they mm-hmm. had. I don't, I don't know. It, it, uh, it was, it seemed real unusual, uh, but I guess given the situation, uh, uh, that was the only alternative. Well, any any final thoughts going into the rest of the sports week or any other final words? Um, well, you know, um, college football's here, and uh, once again, you got all those same old folks at the top there. You know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson. You know, um, I see Oklahoma got upset this weekend. They were the sixth ranked team, and they got upset, and uh, Arkansas was number 10, and they lost the game when they kicked a field goal, and I've never seen this before in my life. I've seen the, the, the ball hit the post and go left or right, either through it or off the side. This one hit the very top. It came down on the top of one of the goal posts, came down on top of one of the goal posts, and then fell straight down, not over. It hit on top of it, and instead of falling over, it would have been a field goal, but it felt – it fell towards the field, and uh, uh, Arkansas missed the field goal and lost, lost the game. But as a result of those losses in the uh, top ten, uh, NC State is moved up to number ten team, and this weekend, game day, will be in Clemson, South Carolina for number five Clemson. Oh, this Saturday? This Saturday. Oh, gosh. Number five Clemson, number ten, Ohio, number 10 NC State. And 10, NC State beat the Tigers last year. Up at uh, up in Raleigh, so uh, this will be a big game. Like I say, two two ACC teams. It's unusual to have two ACC teams playing, and both of them are in the top ten. So it'll be a big, really big game with game day there, and the fact that they're both in the top ten. So that's a be a, a especially good for this this area and for the ACC to have get that kind of exposure for two teams in the top ten. So I think it'll be really good. Oh, it must be the end of this segment because Dixon's. Dixon's uh, making a noise. Oh, it must be time for him to eat. What'd you say, Dixon? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll go feed you. Okay, well, Dad, thanks for joining me again, and you have to come back next month, okay? Okay, I hope I didn't ramble on too much about baseball, but uh, that's my first love. and uh, uh, No, people enjoy it. I hope so. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Dad. Thanks. All rise for Aaron Judge, the Yankees superstar, smashing home run number 61 during last night's game against the Toronto Blue Jays. Judge officially tying Roger Maris's record for the most home runs by any American League player in a season, a record that has stood for 61 years. And take a look at this in the stands. That's Mama, Roger Maris Jr. hugging Aaron's mother after the game. That's a sweet moment there, Judge giving the home run ball to his mom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.